0: this episode is brought to you in part by zondervan publisher of the perilous fight overcoming our culture's war on the american family written and narrated by retired neurosurgeon and politician dr ben carson available now everywhere you get audiobooks hey i'm chris and adam and i recorded this
1: first season of the device and virtue podcast exclusively for our friends Now that's you too. So enjoy our first attempt at arguing about tech and faith. Oh, and find our newest episodes at deviceandvirtue.com.
0: C.S. Lewis became a household name because of the radio. So why did he get rid of the one in his house? What did C.S. Lewis think about technology? This is Device and Virtue.
1: Hello, welcome back to the Device and Virtue podcast. This is Chris here with Adam.
0: Hi, Chris. How Adam, are
1: you? how's it going, man?
0: It's going well.
1: We are coming to you from Chicago, Ch- Chicago Land. Yeah,
0: Chicago Land. We're actually in a new venue today, the
1: Western Suburbs.
0: Indeed, we're, we've got a new view. We don't have our uh, our normal. Oh, the garden view is gone. Uh, our headless goose. Yeah, that's true.
1: Uh, our but, garden view is gone. But we're doing it, and uh, I mean we're having a fun time. Like. Uh, the other day we went and saw La La Land, which I just thought of because you were humming.
0: <laughs> yeah, the song from it. Yeah, City of Stars. Oh wow! Oh no! Here we go! Here there we go. go! This podcast is changing. <laughs> <laughs> it was a good movie, though. It was a good movie. Yeah, it was fun. Uh, you so, know, those two—they got some chemistry. Sort of a
1: timeless thing going on with the sort of old school Hollywood and sort yeah. of, the, but it's right now. It reminded me a time. little
0: bit of uh, the movie The Artist. That huh. was that uh, black and white um, movie from a couple of years ago that was had no sound. Oh wow, it was really good. You should see it.
1: I was actually thinking that we got to talk sometime about the technology of like movie craft, like key uh, grips. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> right. Uh, well, I mean, we'd have to know something about that yeah, too. Yeah, we would. But, have, yeah. but it'd be interesting the combining of all these things uh, today, though. Yeah. I'm so. Excited about <laughs> what we have, man. This is really good. So, we're not doing our traditional thing where we just bring up an article and we chat about that. Yeah. Instead, we're bringing up a brand new ebook that we just found lying around on the street, <laughs> which is by E-books. author Adam Graber. Hey, That's what? That's you. That's me. This ebook is called Mere Technology C.S. Lewis Confronts the Devices Shaping His Life in ours, yeah. And this is brand new from you.
0: Yeah, it is. I I've been working on this for a while.
1: I'm so excited about it. It's C.S. Lewis and technology, things that right? I can completely get behind.
0: It's totally something that I think everyone can get behind. So
1: I like we we, we we're gonna just talk about this today, yeah. Because it makes total sense. Like, how did you get into this? Like, see, I mean, I I'm into C.S. Lewis. Lots of people are into C.S. Lewis, absolutely. But C.S. Lewis and even technology.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. Like you, I'm a C.S. Lewis fan. I wouldn't say I'm a rabid fan, but I'm a fan. And I've read (laughs) quite a bit of his stuff. Um, And obviously, I'm more of a rabid technologist, I guess. But uh, yeah, a cousin of mine, this was probably five years ago, emailed me this. He knew I was interested in technology. emails me this quote from C.S. Lewis about the television. And... TV, really? Yeah. C.S. Lewis talks about TV. He he talks about that's exactly what I said. I was like, "What? No way!" This is something I use every day, and here C.S. Lewis. I thought C.S. Lewis is like so outdated and uh, you know just not current, but here he is talking about TV and how people go into a huddle over it every night and how it keeps them from going out for walks or going out and doing gardening and he just kind of dislikes it and (laughs) he uh, he's just not a fan and he talks about how the the standard um, wage in uh the middle counties of england are complaining because they they need to make better wages in order to afford uh buying the television television, because they're paying in installments
1: i see wow
0: yeah and and they consider it a part of their basic standard of living. I okay. mean so in 10 years you know uh the TV had gone from being this like lux- luxury toy to just being part of the normal social environment in England. Huh. You know and I don't I don't think about C S Lewis like this as
1: like we're saying because I think about him as you know he's sitting in a study, he Yeah, has a right. pipe uh, he has lots of books, he's has a <laughs> fountain pen of some kind. And like just just really don't think about him surrounded. But of course he's writing especially a lot in the later of his life, 50s, 60s, right. and right. broadcast media is everywhere. Yeah,
0: definitely. And and Lewis knew broadcast media from the radio. I mean he mm. he became a household name in England because of the radio.
1: Yeah, sure. So that's mere Christianity. Right. Yeah. They
0: were first like radio right. lectures. Right. And so he, I mean, he was very familiar and in some ways indebted to Modern technology of his time huh. to for the fame that he had um, but he didn't like the TV but well not <laughs> just the TV I mean he yeah what
1: else did he talk
0: about yeah he even i mean he eventually got rid of his own radio um he really? yeah uh, and he I think had a car for a while but I think eventually got rid of that um, and I mean he talks about all sorts of things um, huh. in abolition of man he talks about airplanes and contraception. He talks about books being technology, even though we don't think about books as technology. Of course
1: they are, but I always want to make that point for people. He (laughs) talks
0: about that too. He does.
1: So, okay, I want to ask you about a lot of these things, but actually I was going to ask you, yeah, what books does he talk about technology? Because there's not like a C.S. Lewis book out there on the shelf. Right. Right. That I you, you know I've read a lot of C.S. Lewis and it's like there's not one you know about
0: technology right right it's not like on the incarnation yeah even, right on technology right, or on the Psalms or, yeah you know. exactly yeah and that's I think um, what I started to wonder too after my uh, cousin had emailed me this I I thought well what else did C.S. Lewis talk about and so I I just started to ask well how could I how could I figure this out yeah um obviously he's got a lot of published work um but none of it's specific about technology really um but i really started i guess with abolition of man and that hideous strength with, which are both yes, right um sort of about technology but indirectly
1: yeah but so abolition of man is that that essay originally uh, a series academic? of lectures yeah uh, lectures mm-hmm. yeah yeah so that's short right but yeah,
0: and, and 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 that sort of is the engine under the hood that's driving uh, the story of that hideous strength. There's there's clear yes, connections right. that there is, that right. I outline in the book of like, I mean he he lifts verbatim lines from Abolition of Man and drops them into the mouths of different people in that hideous strength.
1: Interesting, and so of course that hideous strength is the third book in the yeah. space trilogy yeah. series, which is fiction. Yeah, right. And so he's doing this story about this like science. Yeah, uh, government research facility in uh-huh. this small town that feels like a university
0: town that feels like Oxford. <laughs> right. and,
1: and most, people, a lot of people haven't read that actually. Yeah. You know, people have read Narnia or other things, but it's sort of a weird, dense yeah. book.
0: It it is a weird, dense book. Yeah. It's probably the le- <laughs> the least of. It's my least favorite of the three uh, in, the, in the Ransom trilogy. Well, people have,
1: have read them also. It's so, um, it has so many references. It, it does. Has both technology and then it also has the character of Merlin pops up. Yeah. Right? It, it,
0: it gets really kind of bizarre. And, and you've got that whole magic element to it. Yes. And I actually sort of touch on that in the book as well the connections between technology and magic. And magic. Yeah. I saw that. Yeah.
1: And you're right. C.S. Lewis thinks about magic and
0: technology, not as the same thing, but they have a relationship. Yeah, they have a relationship. He he draws it out in Abolition of Man, and he draws it out again in, and he, he sort of embodies it in that hideous strength.
1: So that's so cool that uh, Abolition of Man, the academic part, is underneath a fiction thing he yeah. does, which is yeah. fascinating. So those are yeah. two big ones about technology, yeah. but what those else? Those are two big ones. Yeah.
0: Th- there was a more obscure one. Uh, so when he became the chair at cambridge he moved from oxford to cambridge yes right late in his career yeah he was
1: at oxford for forever right uh that's where he taught most of the time but then they never gave him that so they have different professor ranks there than we have in the u.s but they never gave him this full professor rank yeah And, and so as soon as they didn't do that cambridge did offer him that full professor rank and so i know he still lived in oxford but would go to cambridge every week on the train yeah and so he did this
0: lecture there he was a commuter
1: yeah, right, exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so he, he so he does his inaugural lecture at uh Cambridge and the title is uh De Description Temporum. And that means uh a, a description of time. So he's essentially okay. kind of laying out how we think about history. How we break history up into ancient and medieval and renaissance and modern which makes sense i mean he's an expert on medieval things yeah but but history is it it can't be broken up like that and he kind of makes that point but he he articulates kind of why we think about techno uh think about time or uh history in sort of epics and one of his uh points there is that technology has actually shaped how we think about history huh. um I've and never read this lecture. yeah this it's a fascinating cool yeah it, it's it's a fairly quick read um it's dense and heady but really interesting and so I ran across that in the research and then there's a an assortment of um, articles that he wrote that are collected in various places and I picked up those but then and so like that's his that's his like public published work but then I also went into his letters and his letters were actually really Illuminating. And there was a lot of letters. He, he wrote a lot. So of I
1: have letters. those two. They're, yeah. they're th- in three volumes. Yeah. Like, like 1,500 pages. 1,500. I don't know. I feel like maybe each more. Maybe, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but they're they're long. just, yeah, they're really long. All these letters. So you started searching through his personal letters.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So uh, thanks be to God and whoever indexed these <laughs> letters because I, I, you know, I went into the index and I found all of these interesting, all of these, what'd you
1: look for? What kind of technology? Yeah,
0: I mean, I, so I kind of looked up everything I could think of that might be, uh, relevant to him. So, um, the, the gramophone, the huh. record player, the, um, he talks about contraception. He talks about airplanes. He talks about cars. He talks about the, the television. Um, he talks about modern warfare, machines, tools, um. Yeah, that's fascinating. all sorts of things. You grabbed
1: this from all, so there's not any single book, really. I mean, some of the yeah, ones we mentioned. But really, you book. got stuff from all over yeah. the place.
0: Yeah, it was. I was really kind of pulling it all together, and and as far as I can tell, this is really the first book to do that. Um, I I ran across a dissertation from about 20 years ago where they talk about kind of technology and the concept of progress. Um, in C.S. Lewis, but it's not so it's not sort of the media ecology framework that we sort of think about technology mm. in um and so this is a, a different sort of way to look at it that that brings in that a little more of that framework to understand um what c.s lewis thought about technology but also it it, it looks at it from not only his his public perspective but also his private perspective in his letters yeah. Right. So you really get a sense of what he what his personal sort of practices were and sort of what his uh his kind of gut reactions were <laughs> yeah, to right, things. And right. he was a little bit opposed just like just Kind of like a lot of I well, think I am. curmudgeonly. Yeah, curmudgeonly. <laughs> oh, he's a. And are we oh. surprised? Are we surprised? No, we're not surprised. I'm
1: glad that we've clarified that you're the curmudgeon. Uh, yeah, I am the curmudgeon. Because actually, I think everyone can
0: tell. Uh, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> Let's just <laughs> s- which call really a makes spade it, a spade.
1: Okay, but it really makes me sort of mad and jealous because uh, I love C.S. <laughs> Lewis. I want him to be my buddy. Uh, but oh, I f- I'm
0: sure you probably would have gotten along with him. better But than as I. I've
1: read your ebook and then as I've the stuff that I've read on him, I think it's true. Yeah, you and him would have like <laughs> we would have at least agreed. about a lot of technologies. Yeah, because he
0: does. Sometimes. Yeah, he's he, and he is a bit like I am, reactionary. Okay, and kind of has this uh, initial reflex of like disliking technology or disliking way, a new new device. I think the
1: opposite of curmudgeon is going to be the enlightened one, so that will be. My, oh, okay. okay, yeah, curmudgeon yeah, right. enlightened. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay, so uh-huh. I have this question, uh, sort of about the curmudgeon thing. You just mentioned this earlier, but why did you see us, Lewis, get rid of his radio. You said he got rid of yeah, it, right? Yeah, he
0: did. Yeah. Someone asked him, you know, have you bought a television yet? As if, like, you know, you, you get a radio, and then obviously, like, the next step in your technological development as a human being is to buy a TV. Yeah. You go from radio to television with the pictures. Right. And Lewis sort of recognizes this assumption. You know, you go from an eight track to a tape player to a CD to an iPod. Like, that's the natural course of life, right? He, and he's like, he refuses that in his sort of reactionary posture. He says, far from having gotten a television, we got rid of our wireless. We got rid of our radio.
1: So, is he just being contrary? He's like, I don't want to go with the crowd.
0: I don't think so. I I think he had some good reasons. Uh, I think you're going to have to read the book to get it all first. I'll say oh, that. Oh, oh, uh-huh. Yeah. But I think there are a couple reasons. Um, one that I didn't put in the book but I think is true is the way he reacted to the gramophone actually was, I think, influential. He, he felt like it created an inflated, an inflated um, expectation. He said about the gramophone that it, it refreshes a jaded ear, but it also creates a heightened expectation for the level of performance of everything else. It, you delight in nothing less after you've listened to a turn of the record.
1: Oh, because it's like a, a, a practiced... Yeah. Or the best
0: of yes exactly it's 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 the best of the best right and so it it raises your expectation for all the music recorded or live that you hear sure and i i think he so i and he actually made that observation hmm. in when he was a teenager interesting i mean smart guy <laughs> smart guy i'll just say that Well, wait right, yeah from the letters when he's yeah. a teenager yeah um I, I think another reason though he I think he just felt like it was distracting. Um, so uh, a little girl writes him a letter and asks for advice about how to be a better writer. And he's like, well, it's kind of hard to prescribe like good skills, but here are some practices. Uh-huh. Number one, get rid of the typewriter. It will ruin your sense of oh, rhythm. The typewriter, okay. It'll destroy your sense of r- rhythm, he says, which I take issue with. And you can read that in the book. But then he goes on and later down the list. Oh, do you? Because like, I was about to take issue with it. Too. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Seven, eight, <laughs> like, like number seven, he says, uh, turn off the radio. Uh-huh. And I, I think so. He, he writes that around 1955. And between 1955 and 1963, when he dies, he writes um, like a dozen or so uh, books.
1: Right at the end of his life, he he's prolific. He He is so much,
0: and and I I think he he wanted to be productive, and he knew that to get rid of the radio that was sort of making noise in the house that was easy to entertain yourself with, to like sit back and relax and enjoy the evening, rather than do something like write. I I I think that was kind of in his mind somewhere. Um, it's not the only reason I don't think and and you can read more about it but um I think that's I think it is a major reason and I think huh. I, I wonder that he didn't have the radio right, to distract him. Yeah, I wonder, you know, how how many things would we produce if if we weren't distracted by our devices. And I think he he was asking that and he made choices CS Lewis consistently made choices To take control of his technology in ways that he felt aligned with his values. He definitively did that. Yeah. Um, You can see it clearly in his, both in his writing, in his letters, and in his published work.
1: Okay, so if, it, if he does go back to his values, though, the question I'm thinking about is the one that you just said a second ago is why didn't he not like the typewriter?
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. apparently he wrote in with uh, pen and paper. Well, yeah,
1: right. And by the way, I don't know if I've mentioned this yet, I have gone and seen the desk where he did the pen and paper <laughs> Narnia thing. So yeah. I was in Oxford last year. Okay. Uh, for sabbatical and got to go to the kilns, his oh, home. Oh, man, that's so good. And cool. got to like, it's the second floor with a little tiny wood desk, just a yeah. block about as big, you know, your arms could stretch wider than the desk. Really? And he can see out the little tiny glass window with a peaked roof and it looks out over a garden of sorts. So oh, they've man. got a bench in there now, but um, his wife, Joy, had sort of made the garden up into a thing. Really? And then past the garden, you can see into this wooded. Area, Which is like a little mini forest preserve in Oxford. I mean, it's in town. It's at the Uh edge of town, though. So I suppose uh, you could get out further, but there's a little pond and apparently he'd, you know, he'd sort of write about Narnia looking out the window from that little desk, but then he could walk downstairs and walk out on this path and walk around the pond.
0: Huh. So nerdy cool. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I just loved it. It, so, it sounds amazing. I would love to visit. But
1: they have a typewriter in the office. Really? Yeah, they have one sitting. Was it in the office or downstairs? But it's in the home. Oh, yeah, interesting. And, he, and they used it. But I know you said in this letter, he told this woman not to use yeah. it. Yeah, Because I think it interrupted the rhythm?
0: Yeah, yeah. He uh, he said, um, the typewriter will destroy your sense of rhythm, with which still needs years to develop, he says. And yeah, so destroys is a really strong word, (laughs) and I actually take issue with it in the book. I
1: oh really? Because I was yeah, like I said, I wanted to. What what's what's your
0: what's my take take on it? Got it. Um, or I can tell
1: you what I hate. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> and I hate to disagree with C.S. Lewis, who I really consider a thought mentor. Yeah, but. well,
0: I mean, well, what do, what do you think? I'd be interested to, well, I, to
1: know. You know, so this hits my one of my frameworks, right? of Of toy, tool, and environment. Okay. And also, sort of digital uh, native versus digital immigrant sort okay. of
0: language. Yeah.
1: And what I find is that that certain technologies that are new have different impacts. Okay on some people that are living with it in an early stage uh-huh. than people that live with it in an environmental stage. Okay. And so that yeah, right. affects the, their progress of thinking. Right. Their, inter, their parallel structure, their logic, what feels like an interruption or not an interruption to them, the technology. So, right, right, So, right, uh, right. you know, to put it really sort of crudely, a technology to an older person that new, they're not used to can be more interrupting to their creative process. Yeah. Yeah. that's, it's, one that's, it's younger, that's used to it. it. And so I wonder if C.S. Lewis just was so used to writing Absolutely. by hand at Oxford Absolutely. when he was young, doing all his papers that way for so long that when a typewriter became – and actually, I'm being ignorant. I don't know when the typewriter became sort of a normal thing to have in the home. yeah. Um, but it, since he was used to writing, for sure, we know that. Yeah, right. Uh, that the typewriter felt to him like it destroyed his rhythm, so he therefore gives that same advice to a yeah. younger woman that it might not be that applicable. That he yeah. might be universalizing something that was actually more specific to him. Yeah,
0: yeah, I, I would agree with that. So the the typewriter sort of started developing in the eighteen eighties, eighteen seventies. What's that? I knew you would know that. Yeah. Yeah, so, I figure it's. Much I mean, older, but he I did a little. A lot. Right, I did a little research, and um, l- what Lewis is right about is that g- going from handwriting to typewriting will change how you write. Your yes. your style will change. Yes. Your your rhythm will change. Yes. And, uh, I mean th- that's a fairly you know. Um, accepted sort of
1: I think it is but I mean I think it's fact. accepted by you and me quite yeah. a bit because yeah. we say this is one of the things I think we mean yeah. when we say technology is not
0: neutral right exactly because
1: I, cause, cause it's not it does, makes changes no right. like it makes changes in the way you structure your thought like so I use copy and paste right in Google Docs right. Right. all the time right. and that changes and I, and I write a lot yeah, and that changes how high, right? So yeah. I can, uh, but I think that is it good or bad? But
0: the tools, the tools you use shape the way you think and do what you do and create and construct. Yeah, absolutely. And so, where C.S. Lewis was seeing destruction, yeah, he was actually seeing change, and yes. uh, he felt that the handwriting rhythm was the right way to write, mm. but. What was actually happening with the typewriter? It was creating a new way to write, yes. or a different way to write. Yeah. So,
1: it w- in some ways, it was destroying it, an old way of writing. It was writing, destroying. But there's an old a new way, way of being replaced right. in there. Yeah,
0: right. and and that's that's I, I do I take issue with Lewis a little bit there. He's right that it's changing, but he's wrong that it's destroying. It's not destroyed, but it is different.
1: The uh, one of the interesting things is. You know, he answered all those letters you're talking about from the girl. and father's. Yeah. You know, he answered yeah. tons of letters, right. right? When you look at his yeah. letter collections, he had tons of letters from the U.S., especially. Fans in, your, in, in the U.K., but a lot from the U.S., and he would answer all of them. But he didn't have time. So, as you know, he got his brother, Warney huh. to type up a lot of his responses. But he he didn't typewriter. use the typewriter himself, yeah. but his brother did. Yeah. And they, tons of his letters were typed, but they were typed by his brother. That's so he was very comfortable with someone else in the home <laughs> using the technology to do it faster yeah. than he could do it, Yeah, which is which is interesting.
0: Uh, <laughs> faster, or at least it was legible. Probably more legible.
1: Because he but would use for shorthand for, for sure. Warnie to say what he wanted to say. He uh-huh. would literally sort of either dictate verbally yeah. or write down some scratches of little short things, tell them this, and then mm-hmm. Warnie would sort of phrase it for That's him. really interesting. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I mean- yeah, we kinda so we kind of go around and around on that. But he that that's really why he didn't want to use a typewriter. And it would be very interesting. I mean, if if he if he had, you know, what how would have his style changed? I mean, there's there's a fairly clear delineation um for uh actually Frederick Nietzsche, who oh. started um re- he, he did a lot of his philosophy by hand. He was handwriting, but then towards the end of his life he he ends up like basically going blind. He can't, he's like legally blind at this point. And so he ends up using a, a, an early typewriter to huh. transcribe his thoughts. Huh. And h- the style of his writing like is utterly shifted. Interesting. You know, what would have it been like if, if Lewis had acquired a typewriter and decided. You know what? I'm going to try this. Aslan starts wearing I don't know disco clothes. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, no, probably not. But
1: actually, like we're saying this is technology, so we say that as an example of technology sort of not being neutral because it changes yeah. things. And great example with Nietzsche. Does techno Does Lewis say anything about technology and
0: neutralness? He does actually. This this was really I'm exciting. pitching that up because like, I saw that in your <laughs> ebook. You had a section goes to, to, to yeah say technology is neutral yeah. So the short answer is yes. He does explicitly say technology is per se neutral, and he's actually oh, yeah. uh, responding to uh, another guy, uh, Arthur C. Clarke, who is sure. sort of a you know well known science fiction writer in the twentieth century British guy, and I mean wrote prolifically in science fiction. He actually wrote, co wrote um 2001 a space odyssey the 1960s film with stanley kubrick um so yeah really famous but he and he and lewis actually get into it about technology uh (laughs) it's so it's it's such an interesting uh back and forth it's in the book and but they go back and forth with this dialogue about technology and like is it evil or is it good and and clark serves it up he's like you know, it's neither good nor bad. It's neither morally good or morally bad. And okay. Lewis agrees with him that, yeah, it's, it's per se neutral. And so that's kind of uh, how Lewis thought about it, uh-huh. right? Yeah, interesting. I don't know. But one of the arguments that I kind of make throughout the book is that uh, Lewis says that, But his philosophy of technology that you see in Abolition of Man and that hideous strength. That
1: hideous strength, the story doesn't sound like he thinks technology
0: is neither good or evil. Yeah. He thinks there's some evil connected with it. He 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 does, but he consistently traces it back to human beings and what they know. And he doesn't think about how the tools shape what they know or shape what they do. And and so he kind of is is um, going upstream to humans and saying, "Well, it's really in the heart of of he these individuals." He gives a lot of intention,
1: right. a lot of weight to intention and yeah. character. Yeah. yeah. So is that right?
0: Right. He's he's an instrumentalist. He sees the devices as merely instruments executing the will of human beings. Yeah. And so that's how he kind of. Articulates it in his own mind. But, but, both, would you
1: say actually that then, I mean, in that hideous strength, he's seeing there's sort of, you know, some characters there. They're sort of, you're seen as the bad guys. They're the scientists in some way. But that mostly he's just seeing as their technologies expands their impact or they can now conquer the world yeah, kind of thing. I
0: think so. I, but they're actually evil at heart. Yeah. I think, I think that's, that's probably true. Um, but, Definitely, the technology is making things possible for them that weren't possible before, like the head of Alcazan keeping it alive. And
1: there's a narrative about power there.
0: I think, yeah, well. technology yeah. giving them power they didn't right, have, right? And and if you when you read it, you do get a sense that like, man, these guys are really evil, and it feels a little unreal, unreal. Exactly. Like, and also.
1: Merlin is in this and <laughs> like the wizard yeah, is in Merlin, his book.
0: Right. Yeah, there yeah. Magic is kind of shot through this book. And what's interesting is that is not the first time magic shows up. It actually shows up in Abolition of Man, strangely enough, in, 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 his, lectures, academic in lecture, his Academic turns, lectures. Yeah, he
1: has this whole connection between magic and technology.
0: Yeah, he does. He does. And I yeah, I kind of outline his thoughts and how he connects those two things uh in in the book see that that's super awesome uh and there is a connection yeah there is there is
1: um man i want to ask you about so many other things in here like but well probably we can't do these cars uh what he thought about a car he sort of was cranky about cars
0: a little bit. He he had a complex relationship with cars, yeah. He had a road trip in his 20s like in his many car where us. the car
1: broke down like twice with his dad, and I think he's <laughs> that probably colored his his perception for life. I yeah,
0: just, <laughs> yeah. He, he had a bias against them overall, but he recognized the need for them as well. And
1: people forget that, you know, also Lewis fought in World War One. He did. And so, I mean, he guns had a, and weapons. Yeah,
0: he had a pretty clear opinion and and informed opinion about about modern weapons.
1: Yeah, interesting. And uh other things that you touch yeah. on here?
0: Genetic engineering. Genetic engineering, Whoa. airplanes, contraception, so many things.
1: This is amazing. So, uh I have loved this ebook. Uh Thank I think you. folks should go just download it. Yeah, for it's sure.
0: it's available for free. It's you're not you don't have to pay pay for, pay for it. Well, that's amazing. Yeah. Uh,
1: I was actually going to ask you how much it was. Uh, <laughs> that's great. Uh, so, this this ebook about C.S. Lewis and technology is called Mere Technology, of course. C.S. <laughs> Lewis confronts the devices shaping his life and ours. So, now we should wrap up, which means it's time for it Vice is. or Virtue.
0: I love it. Yes. Uh,
1: so, given that we've been talking about CS Lewis uh Adam <laughs> and you said today that uh Lewis got rid of his radio he did but we also said today that he got famous by radio oh yeah I so guess. my question for you is vice or virtue the radio
0: <laughs> man well it's certainly not neutral CS Lewis wouldn't be CS Lewis without it um but he also became more C.S. Lewis without it, right? Because he got rid of it. Um, I'm going to say, I'm going to go Virtue. I think without the radio, who knows if C.S. Lewis would be the household name he is today.
1: Okay, good answer. Oh, I am going to go Vice. (laughs) mostly to disagree with you yeah but yeah. The, <laughs> uh-huh. but so Marshall McLuhan famously says that broadcast media uh, created a global village right it created yeah. the, the the sense of radio particularly and then tv later was a thing that collected the whole world into one at one point in time we were all listening to the same thing at once just like yeah. a town choir. so yeah. he's picturing sort of the walter cronkite and we're all huddled around <laughs> our radios um I guess that was TV, but sort of a, it, it reincorporated everybody together. Yeah. But the, so that created a more of a village community sense, but, but it also created a power sense yeah um it, it created a, the highest sense of gatekeeping yeah we saw a media and technology in history yeah where one or two people decided everything that we saw and i mean we could think about today on facebook and other things that yeah. that's a big deal but really now media is social and interactive you can talk back right. you can delete you can influence you can change broadcast and broadcast so media, fragmented the radio only moved one way Yeah. So C.S. Lewis's listeners could only hear him talk at them, but they couldn't talk back to him. Yeah. They
0: wrote letters instead. They
1: did write letters, and that's how they did it. But in that sense, I think it created a sense of power that still affects us on communication today. Absolutely. Despite the fact that I love Lewis, it's a vice.
0: All right. That's a good argument. I'll buy it. (laughs) (laughs) Got to get my words in here somehow. (laughs) But I'm really glad
1: you uh, were the expert today for this C.S. Lewis. Yeah, It's good stuff. I'm so excited about people downloading this. Yeah. And uh, I can't wait for us to talk again. Awesome. Me neither. Hey, let's keep the conversation going. I think it's an argument. (laughs) Okay. Tweet to us at device virtue. And for links and show notes, check us out at deviceandvirtue.com. And... Do leave us some love
0: by rating us on iTunes. Yeah, please do. This episode was brought to you in part by the Lord of Spirits podcast. Many Christians yearn to break free of the influence of secular materialism and to understand the union of the seen and unseen worlds as made by God. What is the spiritual world like? Tune in wherever you get your podcasts.